Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, June 2nd, 2018. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And uh, here we are. Um, a lot of stuff happened this week. A lot of very stupid things mm-hmm. uh, said and done by our president. And we have a lot to talk about that. Rachel has some other off-the-cuff stuff to talk about. We found a candidate for Congress that's actually worse than Roy Moore. (laughs) Um, We didn't think that was possible. Literally, if you would have told me a week ago, like, hey, there's going to be a guy running for Congress who's actually worse than Roy Moore, I would have been like, no, come on. I mean – there's there's the white supremacist guy in Illinois. Of course, NBC just did a thing where there's like eight flat-out white supremacists running for Congress. Uh, right, the most in U.S. history since... Uh, the, since the since... days of the Klan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but this guy is actually worse than Roy Moore and maybe the worst person to run for to Congress exist. ever. And so do we just want to start with that? Yeah, then? I just I want to preface this by saying that... Um, this is going to sound really crazy and not true. And I'm almost on the fence of whether or not this is some conservative troll who is doing this to be like, look what liberals will believe, except that there are actual like legal documents that say that that some of these things are actually true. So I don't want you to take this with a grain of salt, but I do want to preface it by saying, it is possible because it is so outrageous that this could be some kind of thing, trolling thing. But I, but, but the, then there's this legal thing that happened. So, okay. It's also so bad he may get himself criminally indicted before there's even the the election happens. And and um, so this he's out of Virginia. Okay, but they've already had their. Primary, so is he just running as he's running as an independent? As an independent, and okay, because I don't know the rules there. Did they have their they had their primaries right in Virginia? I maybe that's a good question. I'm not sure. Sorry, we should know that. But so, but I guess it doesn't matter because he's running as an he's running as an independent. Yeah, yeah. And so he'll be on the ballot probably. Yep. (laughs) Um, he has previously ran for other races, um, before. He was uh, charged and convicted of a felony, um, which meant that he could no longer run for office. And then Terry McAuliffe uh, signed a bill into law that said that um, allowed people who had felonies on their record to uh, be able to, to enfranchise them, to be able to vote and to run for office under certain circumstances. So he's now running again. Mm-hmm. This guy is a professed pedophile. That's not a joke. Um, he's literally a pedophile. Um, he so I guess HuffPost ran down this guy and found that his campaign website shared similar IP address to this couple of other sites that were known for two things. One was for um, talking a forum for talking about how pedophilia is okay and the second was an incel um forum Mm. for talking about incels and he also has this other website 
uh, that he runs personally that's called like Nathania.org or something. And this is just almost hard to talk about because it's just so fucking, I can't, like the, this person exists is hard for me. The fact that this person is running for um, public office is even harder to wrap my head around. But, uh, so HuffPost ran down this IP address, found these other things, and then called the guy and he talked to them and he gave this interview where he talked about how the, some of these very disturbing posts that he had written about how, um, he wanted to have sex with his daughter. Um, and And it should be legal. It should be legal. And when it's legal, gosh, it's going to be a lot harder to have access to kids because you're going to have to go through parents and guardians and you're going to have to have money to buy off these parents or a lot of charm to charm them. And well, this guy sure seems charming, the market, so that shouldn't be an issue yeah, for him. The market's going to be a lot harder for people when child rape becomes legal. Also, he was on a yes, let's rape our wives forum yep. or something so, like that. So, okay, so... Um, might be Michael if, Cohen if access to kids is hard, then we should have um, wives who are we rape. Um, he doesn't identify as an involuntary celibate because he raped his wife, which he admits to. His wife has since committed suicide. <sighs> his daughter is in custody of someone else. He relinquished custody of his four-year-old daughter um, during this court case that is sealed because it was part of the divorce i guess um so he doesn't have access to his daughter which he laments and so he would like for people to have wives that they rape so that they can produce quote fuck toys um which are children um can i interrupt for a second they have access to children or the other option is adoption and and quote um you can choose boy or girl with adoption so that's a good option too so this guy, the, from his picture, he looks pretty young. <clears throat> he's not an old guy, by no, any means. No, I think he's in 40s his 40s. or something? Mm-hmm. So how much time did he do for raping his wife? It doesn't seem like very That's much. That's not what he went to prison for. What did he go to prison for? He went to prison for writing a letter to the president. Oh, that's right. Threatening, threatened, to, kill threatened president to kill President Obama. Obama. Right. Yeah. So he served 14 months. Um, and huh. when he was released, um, then he was not able to run for officer vote and then McAuliffe passed the law and now he is he didn't ever go to jail or be charged to my knowledge for raping his wife something he openly admits to doing um and and told the Huffington Post that he did um he he thinks that women um are really we should go back to the time when women are property because it's in the best interest of women to be property. A little Jordan because Peterson there for as you. as long as the man that owns them, and it should go as traditionally as it always has, in his opinion, from father to husband, that um, when women are property, they are afforded greater benefits as long as the man that owns them is, of, um, is doing well. So it's in the women's best interest because they are allowed to reproduce, something that animals are not allowed to do when they are used for, quote, meat or companionship. So it's really in women's best interest to be property of men and, as property, be raped whenever they want. And he uses the term rape, right? He doesn't say have sex with or he uses the term rape. 
um, pretty openly when talking about women. Um, and he, when asked by the Huffington Post whether he um, was himself a pedophile or whether he just wrote about pedophilia, he said, when someone talks about something enough, there's a grain of truth to it. So that's pretty pretty much, I'm a pedophile, right? Yeah. I mean, this guy um, is so open and brazen. I just wonder if it's going to perk up enough law enforcement or even the FBI now that this guy's name is all over the media that they might want to look into this dude. I, I, I would I think would hope so. so. I would hope so. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard that that's happening. You know, um, there's talks about the thought police and this and mm-hmm. that. But this guy is saying, I have done or want to do these criminal acts you have to children. imagine that he has child pornography or is peddling I, in child pornography yeah. at the very least, if not having already raped children, women. I mean, I mean, I don't know the finer points of Virginia law, but you would think given his record and the things he's saying, there would be probable cause to, to and look. Well, admitting to raping women and admitting to being a pedophile um, are things that I would imagine would create probable cause to investigate yes remember the first amendment though does cover things in these instances where you can say this is just satire or i'm just speaking metaphorically or when the huffington post asked him that that is not what his response was well that's the problem right his response was when these things become legal which is the other that's maybe the only problematic part when they become legal xyz so, yeah, but he's, he's not saying that because they're illegal, he's not doing them. He's no, just no, no, saying no, no, like, no. Yeah, this is what will happen. And I guess yeah. by inference, he's running on a platform of legalized pedophilia. In any event, yes, um, yes we, he would like to legalize um, child rape and child marriage. Um, OK, because he uh, calls himself some kind of um, uh, like radical libertarian. And mm-hmm. so the government shouldn't have anything to do with, like, protecting children from him. Sure, um, sure. Because that's just a violation of his freedom. Okay, all right. And so... So, okay, we <laughs> we found a candidate that is measurably worse than Roy Moore. Measurably, like, one of the worst human beings to exist. Yeah. And he's not just, like, out there. He's running for office. That's uh, he, the other okay. thing that, like, we have to really think about that. Because that, there are people like him everywhere. I think it's a pretty small a lot, um, percentage of the population, but they certainly exist. They are on his forums and you can go read. Now, his forums have been taken down, which when he was interviewed by the Huffington Post, he seemed much more concerned about the fact that his sites had been taken down than um, the fact that he has absolutely no chance of winning this race <laughs> because he feels like his free speech has been impeded. And sure. he, I think this race for him, when, the last time he ran, he got 2% of the vote, which is... Sort of shock, less than two percent, so at least one percent, um, which we is a little shocking because uh, we don't know that. Maybe that's just how they categorize it. Like when well, the final tallies come out, everybody who got zero to whatever many votes, it shows less than two percent. So the guy might have gotten five votes. We don't know. But if five people voted for him, I, sure, five crazy people, I could see that, or five or people, people that know anything know. and they just, just fuck it, just I'm pick a name, just I voting independent, or I right. think he, I think, but I think back then he ran as a Republican. But anyway, oh, of course he did. So <laughs> of course he did. You know, it, it's one thing that these people exist, and it's a good reminder that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's another thing entirely in this new political era that they would 
feel brazen enough to run for office. And it's interesting because he said, like, I think enough people will vote for me because they just are tired of mainstream people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't think we can blame this on Trump in a way because he voted or he ran for election before Trump was president. But I do well, think that no, his, there's an angle. There's an angle. And I'm going to get but, to that. Well, I think that his that that his running now and being so open about his uh, vile, horrific um, ideology is isn't. Uh, is very much a product of Trump being the president. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I was that. That's going to be what I was going to say next. Is just to put it in a little perspective. This guy's obviously not going to win. No. Um. And if you are an experienced voter, and I know a lot of our listeners are not yet, and they're going to be voting for the first time, which is great. But um, if you're an experienced voter and you notice a ballot, especially if it's for Congress or even local or state races, there's the two main candidates, and then there's like a list of twenty write-ins or unknowns or. Mm-hmm. Green Party, this party, that party, and you just ignore them. You've never heard of these people. One or two of them are always kind of nuts, whether you know about them or not. And so this is kind of that. The difference now with this guy being so open, I do think in the age of Trump, you you are free to be more open with your flat-out neo-Nazism, white supremacy, pro-pedophilia, whatever – crazy insane shit brand of awful you are it, it is mm-hmm. and, and you could do the other side like, oh well there's some actual communists that are and like that's actually yeah. always been a thing like yeah. the american communist party yeah. ran candidates during the reagan era like yes. that's not new now and that is also not comparable no, at all no, no, no. of course it isn't but because the right would make us think it, think it was would be but in, in any event uh, NBC just did this interesting story where there are at least eight, they count, avowed white nationalists slash neo-Nazis, whatever you want to call them, running for office. They're not all running as Republican. I think five or six are running as Republican, of course. None, to my knowledge, are running as Democrats. It might no. not surprise you. No. One or two are running as independents or libertarians or something. Um, I, I think that's the right tally. I might be wrong if there's a, if there's a neo-Nazi running as a Democrat. Please you know, tell us, but sure. that's fucking not. No. Yeah, probably not. No. <laughs> don't no. think they're going to get party support. Um, <laughs> you it, think Levi Tilleman had a hard time. Oh, we'll get to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, and it is interesting. Again, none of these people are going to win, hopefully. Um some of them are going to be the nominee for the party, especially in like Democratic strongholds where the Republicans have given don't up. Don't run anybody. And don't run. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, hey, I'm in a Nazi. In San Francisco, run. let's run a Nazi. Right. Yeah. In that, in right. that uh, one district near Chicago. And then there's another di- – what's going on with Chicago? There's another district in Chicago where this other Nazi guy is running. Yeah. Um, well, that makes sense, right? So when we think about areas where the Democratic stronghold is really big yeah. and the Republicans have given up and there's a large population of people of color or it's very diverse and very liberal, the people who live there who aren't those things get very angry and very loud. Yeah. And then they will absolutely vote for somebody well, that I, is just like a fucking white supremacist. Well, I think this other guy's actually running in a more white suburban district. Uh, he's not going to win. He's you know, Holocaust denier and blacks right. are genetically inferior and he's a right. Nazi. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. When now in the era of Trump, it's uh, again, People feel emboldened to do shit like yes. this and to feel this way. Hey, They've I'll always felt, this is the thing that we have to remember this. 
This is not new. This is no. these people didn't become this way because of Trump. Trump well, that, is not responsible for their worldview. Well, that's the white person he, lament, right? Yes. We he, hear. I'm yes. sorry. Go ahead. He, he Trump is not responsible for creating racism or creating <laughs> no. racist people or creating white supremacists or creating anti-Semites or creating, uh, you know, misogynists. Right. No, he gave him cover to come he, out from under the yes. rocks. They, these people were always these people and they were always among us and they were always there. They just didn't feel safe to say that they were those people. And now they do. Well, it's always white people and usually younger white people who are new. And, and that's great. And I'm not old white people. It's all the white people. Well, well, no, what I'm saying is it's the white people that the liberal white people who say, oh, my God, why is it we're becoming so right. hateful and becoming right. so racist? No. What are we turning no. into? And people of color said turning into turning nothing. Turning into what are you talking this about? Is, this has been my world forever. And these people always existed. They now didn't they just say have it in, a pulpit. They didn't say it in front of you before because they felt like you would judge them. Right. But they've been saying it to me my entire life. Right. Or doing it more subtly or yes. in the shadows. Yes. And now it's just they, they have a pulpit and they have cover and they have a safe space mm-hmm. to just be open about it. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to. What wanna... we have to do is take that back. <laughs> Clearly. Yes. Um, yeah. It, it's and I think there's a there's a large part of mainstream America who that just hasn't grasped it yet and doesn't right. understand um, or doesn't care. And that's, or they're that's like, the scarier oh, part. some weird guy who cares some weird person or like that's not real no, or that haven't. can't possibly this is the thing that I've learned that I think is is interesting about having experienced kind of a like random act of violence is people don't want to believe things that are bad yeah and they want to explain them away they so want like think, yeah. this candidate out of Virginia I think a lot of people in Virginia and elsewhere in the country are gonna look at this or hear about it and they're going to explain it away in their brains. They're going to go, oh, God, that can't be real or that can't be really what's going on or that 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 story is fake or, you know, that there's a reason or he's not. It doesn't matter. Like there, there's this thing that happens to people when you tell them that something bad happened that could happen to them or something, or something bad, bad is, is going happening. on yeah. that they don't want to believe. There's this thing in our brains where we just go explain it away. Just find some way to explain it away and not deal with the fact that this is reality that we live in because it's safer to do that in our brains. Well, you're absolutely right. And I remember thinking back to my budding early teenage years of starting to pay attention to politics. And that was kind of me. I was like, well, people are reasonable, okay? And whether they're Democrat or Republican and like people would call – I remember Pat Buchanan was – out there running his mouth and I'm like oh, people are calling Pat Buchanan a Nazi no he's he's not really that's just people are getting too inflamed about right, it too emotional people are talking about the mm-hmm. Republicans want to get rid of all the welfare and all no they're not going to let people starve and then you start digging into what they're actually doing and proposing like, oh wait a minute no <laughs> wait a no, minute it is that bad it is that bad or like when you're a young man and you hear women talking about you know, the the rates of sexual assault are like right. one in three. And you're like, that can't be. That it has to be misunderstanding. Be. Right. 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 A lot of them just regretted it. Right. Maybe it was just a misunderstanding. Sure. It can't really be that many women were actually sexually like, really and, and raped. And then you get into the world and, and then you, you meet the women right. and you get to know them on a personal level. And, and you and, go, it's that empathy gap, yeah, right? That yeah. That is that is explained well, by privilege. Yeah, it is. Sure. Like if you're not, sure. if you're not a victim of it and you're not experiencing it every day, it's really hard to imagine a world in which people do experience it every day. And when you don't choose to get rid of that empathy gap, 
right? Mm -hmm. And you don't choose to meet those women or meet those people of color or or try to imagine a world in which they actually live. It's really easy to say this is not happening or this can't be real or there's an explanation for all of this. Right. And then when you, if you, and I hope all of you choose to, educate yourselves and have some empathy outside of your own worldview, you realize it really is that bad. Yeah, and, and, and here's the, the perverse reverse of it, right? We keep hearing, and this just doesn't stop and it won't stop, that you have to – I mean there was a bunch of columns I think this week, mostly by conservatives. You have to stop villainizing people who support Trump and lumping them in with racists or calling them racists or – No, we don't. Issuing – hold on. Issuing blanket <laughs> okay. statements that they're racist. And, and the problem with that is when you actually listen to what their concerns are – and like, yes, a few of them have this sort of vague notion of something, something with globalism has caused declining in manufacturing jobs and Trump might Trade say he'll bring it back. for the workers. The, there, there, there's a little bit there of There are a few of them. But the vast majority, when you really dig, it is fear of losing white privilege, period. Yes. It comes up again and again and again and again. In all kinds of different ways, whether it's Islamophobia or anti-immigrant, or uh, you know, hating black people, or hating women, sure. or whatever it sure. is. Now, you know, if you find the term, quote, racist, icky, and divisive, and you don't think we should use it, fine, but it still is what it is. You can, you can sanitize it more and call it fear of losing white privilege, but... But that's not going to be better for those people. They don't think white privilege exists, and they will argue with you tooth and nail that it doesn't. No, they think it's better to bring back some of those independent and people who voted for Obama and then turn to Trump, and that's more of a, a, a political argument. But but the point is, like, no, we're going to call things what they are, and we're going to address these things accordingly. And this is an argument that, it's not really an argument. It's just a difference of opinion that, like Greg Dworkin and I have, uh, he's very much of the um, position that we really need to bring back some of these Trump voters by finding whatever it is we can connect with them on. It's side of the, kind of the Bernie Sanders argument too. He doesn't take it as far as Bernie. Otherwise, we can't win. And I'm more of the argument of that's a big waste of time. We need to register new voters and get the voters who stayed home or voted third party or just thought it was in the bag to come home and we'll win that way. And but it's also a more philosophical argument. We right? need to have Greg on. I need to talk to him. Yeah. OK. I'll reach out. <laughs> it's not. That's no. No, this is no. this is a discussion we, we need to have. Yeah. To we need, clarify. Okay. We need to have that. We'll, well do that with next With week. him, it's a pragmatic argument. I know. It's not a philosophical argument. He's the best, argument. right? He's the best. I yeah. love him. It's not that, oh, we need to empathize with these poor, misunderstood. No, he just wants to win. <laughs> yes. Right. But I think that we're, that's not, that's a waste of resources well, we'll to use our resources in that way. That would I, be my And opinion. I hate to, to, you know, isolate Greg in this argument. No, I know. I, it's not he's him. He's not the only one. Right. I just, we know him and he's lovely and I would love to talk to him about it because we don't, I don't, haven't had that conversation in a while with somebody who thinks that. So that's Yeah, an and now we're argument. getting to the point where we're going to start doing the voter drives <clears throat> and the get out the vote and everything, so. Right, and we're getting into the season of primaries and once that's over, then, you know, I hope we pick the best candidates that we have and, uh, and then, you know, well, then Cal it's about how do we win? California may have really screwed you know, us I'm, with their jungle primary. I'm with Greg on the idea that I don't really give a fuck about anything but winning. 
Yeah. I, the rest of it doesn't matter. Now there are some core values that I won't give up to do that. Um, but the, that I, that I want all the names to have D after them, uh, well, the good thing is, is a thing it, well, that I vehemently would like to have happen within our party. It's pretty rare. I mean, we, we, some people say pander in some gross ways, but at the end of the day, across the spectrum, you're not going to find that many pro-life Democrats. No. You're not going to find. And when you find them, it's largely political, I think. Yes. You're not going to find that many anti-Medicaid expansion Democrats. You're not going to find that many (laughs) repeal A's. Now, you'll find a few, granted, but for the most part. But they're never going to win a Democratic primary. It depends on the state. West Virginia is a whole a whole different animal. All right, fair. Okay, but anyway, let's let's move on because okay. we've gone way far afield yet again. <laughs> uh, gone way into the weeds, and let's talk about North Korea. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I'm gonna leave this up to you. <laughs> so it was just a little over a week ago that Trump very abruptly said. Oh, I'm canceling the summit with North Korea. They're saying mean things about us and all you people that bought the stupid commemorative coins too effing bad. Um, And we were like, okay, whatever, clown shoes president, that's not a surprise. Then a couple days later, there was these murmurs coming out like, well, man, we might still try to make it work. And Mike Pompeo went and and met with a very high-ranking uh, North Korean intelligence guy, and then they've been having all these meetings, and now basically it's like, well, okay, it looks like it's back on again. June 12th. June 12th in Singapore. Um, the, the caveat being, and I'm not going to talk about the stupid letter thing because that's just... I do think you should tell people. It's oh, God, okay, so well, absurd. Yeah, I think it was yesterday, it's Trump, just- Trump said, uh, Kim sent me this really great letter with these wonderful things in this letter, and wouldn't you like to know what this letter was really interesting and it was really great? And then, like a couple minutes later, a reporter like, reporters was like, keep "Asking him, like, can you okay, just give so, us a flavor so of what's what in the, the letter?" And then he's like, "Okay, okay, I didn't read the letter, but I'm well, what, sure it's it was specifically when they were like, have you responded yet? And how do you intend to respond?'" And right. he was like, "Oh no, I haven't even read it. I haven't seen it. I mean, I of course I haven't responded. I haven't even read the thing." And they were like, "Wait, wait, it was really interesting." Oh, and it was like oh. delivered to him by some t- high-ranking North Korean government official uh-huh. in this giant envelope. And there's this picture of him standing next to this official with this Which giant envelope. Which is how envelope. I like it. It was big and it was Yeah, and he was just like, isn't gold. it great? And it's so pretty and I love this letter. I love it. He <laughs> doesn't, the content of it matters zero. Okay. It's that it's large and it was given to him and there was a picture of him holding this big letter from North Korea pushing the envelope, right? Okay. It's an envelope. Months ago, we, we warned about this. In fact, it may have been over a year ago we started yes. to warn you about this. That... Um, despotic regimes and adversaries are going to figure this guy out pretty quick. Like their initial reaction is going to be, this guy's a crazy man and he's scary and he could blow up the world. And then, especially when they, they rely very highly on a lot of intelligence and a lot of, you know, um, cyber warfare and, and just their, their survival, especially when they are, are sort of a, a hostile, pariah of of a regime like North Korea surrounded by enemies and having the rest of the world essentially as enemies with only China to kind of buffer them like they rely on 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 intelligence and gamesmanship and really but they rely also I remember that story that we talked about it's got to have been last year about how they had all these um people that were like this team of people that were deciphering his tweets and yeah, well, asking, I'm getting to that I'm getting yeah. to that 
So the point is a regime like North Korea is so dependent on understanding how in, not only countries work in, in a, in a uh, global uh, realist theory manner of geopolitics, but also what makes individual leaders tick. And for the most part, that is that you, you can take for the most part, certain leaders out of the equation. George W. Bush was kind of an anomaly because he he was given to personal animus and and personal things in goofy ways that we thought was way out of the ordinary until now. But in in the end, he was mostly a realist, mm-hmm. and uh, he was surrounded by people that kept him in check. Yes, and I mean realist in a uh, international relations perspective. Mm-hmm. So don't confuse that with like a, what a popular term of realist means. And what realist means in international relations terms means ultimately no matter what you say and how flamboyant you are and whatever rhetoric you use you are going to act in the best most logical interests of the country you represent right that is how 95 percent of the world works and that's what sort of keeps the world spinning and why we haven't delved into like world war nuclear holocaust which everybody figured was inevitable back in the 50s and 60s right so Trump is an anomaly when it comes to that. Right. And this is why a lot of IR professors and theorists I know are very, very concerned. Yeah. Um, because his worldview is not that of a realist because he doesn't really care. Or know. Or, uh, know or care about the best interests of the country he represents or the world at large. He cares about him and his ego and his brand and his checkbook. So... He is also very personally prone and given to personal flattery. He's a narcissist. And, and that's not hard to figure out. I mean, we did, we deduced that very quickly. The North Koreans, who have a very, very sophisticated and advanced program of, of deciphering these and, under, like you were saying, this team. Like psychologists yes, and like people yes, who are experts in yes. analyzing personalities and behaviors to figure out how other people work are on this team analyzing other world leaders. And when they get to Trump, it's pretty fucking easy. <laughs> yeah. And so months and months and months and months ago, way before there was ever talk about a summit, we said, I, I think what a leader like Kim Jong-un or what Kim Jong-un himself. Or Putin, I think we were talking about well, as well. Yeah, Putin figured that out a long time ago, mm-hmm. back when, you know, the Mo- Miss America Moscow. But um, what Kim Jong-un, what we said was going to happen is this guy's going to figure out that if he kisses his ass, he'll mm-hmm. get exactly what he wants from him. Yeah. And that is exactly what is happening right now. Yeah. So the summit, essentially, there are no preconditions. There are no... There's no groundwork. There's no promises. Mike Pompeo may be trying to do that behind the scenes, but ultimately it's Trump. He, he, he he's going to get in the room yeah. with Kim and he's going to say whatever he comes to mind. And if the guy's nice to him and tells him like he has big hands, you know, <laughs> no, then he's going to be that. like, yeah, it, well, that's why they gave him a giant envelope. Big things matter to him. Things being big, giant. Yes. Huge. The biggest, the, the grandest, biggest, the, the greatest, yes. the biggest things are matter. So it's fucking weird that they gave him a giant envelope. They would never have done that to any other world leader because it's fucking weird. Yeah. But looking at his picture holding it and the glee (laughs) on his face. Look what they gave me. He looks like a fucking five-year-old that just got a bike for Christmas. He looks so happy. Or it's your birthday and and somebody hands you a giant present with a big bow. Yeah, or like you don't know know what's in it, but who cares? One of the big checks that they give you, the big oversized checks, right? He looks, that's his face. He looks like a 
child with so much joy and glee. And like, that's how advanced their system is, right? It would never occur to me that something like, here's a letter from my leader, but look how big it is. Would matter? <laughs> but they fucking nailed it. They fucking nailed it. Like, yeah. it would never occur to me to have a big letter. It would be like, I don't know, a gold letter. But they were like, no, big is his thing. Big. Probably it's probably embossed in gold on the other side. Maybe. Or, yeah, or maybe something. it isn't. But There's they were like, big is somewhere. the thing. Just put it in an oversized fucking envelope and give it to him. He's yeah. gonna love it. And they were right. They yes. fucking nailed it. Of like course he they was were. so happy <laughs> that he didn't even read the goddamn thing because it doesn't matter what's in it. It's so big. <laughs> it's right. They know. Yeah. They know yeah. how to fucking play him. Yeah. Like a harp. It's just it's Okay. So ugh. Kim has already won because yes. The what he has wanted, what his father has wanted, and his grandfather's wanted, is to be have this meeting and be treated as legitimate, right? Uh, even though they're a regime that that starves their own people, that you know, that is a, a pariah in the world for a variety of reasons, and gross human rights abuses across the board has still has hostages, not a democracy, uh, kidnaps people from neighboring countries and talented people and forces them to work with their propaganda no free press no free press obviously no free any no, like they're a, a horrible dictatorship that and everything that goes along with that yeah and let me pivot yeah. let me pivot to republican and conservative uh, hypocrisy on this because this was the thing that always got especially like the obama years and before obama got elected they had the biggest hard on for this idea of you cannot sit down with the Iranian president and you cannot sit down. Well, that was with, George W. Bush's thing with Kim. I'm not going to sit down with these people. I'm not going to talk to them. Right. And that I'm was not going to do it. And that was the orthodoxy. And, right. and there was whether you agreed with that or disagreed with that, you understood the philosophy. Right. Mm -hmm. Like these these people representing these regimes are so diametrically opposed to everything we believe in terms of human rights and stability in the world democracy. and democracy. And now you can you can very cynically say, well, that's a neocon argument. That's an excuse for, you know, uh, war hawking and keeping American troops everywhere. And and some of that is true, sure. But this this was the drumbeat that conservative media and Republicans and Republican voters just hammered over and over again. And now, ah, fuck it. It looks good for Trump. So, yeah, can let's I, go ahead and meet with no preconditions whatsoever and give I, away whatever and whatever. I will just say that you're exactly right. And... I was one of the people back when George W. Bush was the president, we were having all of these world problems because he kept starting wars, that felt very much like this neocon argument about we don't want to talk to people was bullshit. Now, I wasn't saying that we had to have no preconditions or that it had to be bilateral. I wasn't, but I was like, we at least need to talk to these people. However... I would argue that Donald Trump is an entirely different animal of than any other president. <laughs> yes. And my faith in his ability to talk to anyone about anything and have anything good come out of it uh, is very different. Yes. If any other president wanted to have a summit with North Korea, North Korea is an extreme example. Mm hmm But... I would argue that, you know, I think it's good to talk to our enemies in a way that is controlled and, uh, yeah, in a way that is, like, controlled and we have, like, a plan and there's things that we're, we have goals. Like, I don't think he has, like, 
here are the goals for us to talk to North Korea. Here's the things we want to get out of it, and here's the things that we won't compromise on. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has that. So I, I'm guilty of, of, of thinking of that, you know, criticism of George W. Bush, um, and I don't extend it to Donald Trump, but not because I don't believe that that's a good thing. It's because I think that Donald Trump is an unhinged maniac who will do no good and only harm. Well, you know, what you said was actually just pretty much what what Obama said. I remember during very clearly during the 2008 presidential debates with McCain, this was very, they got very into the semantics. Well, would you meet with no preconditions or and Obama's like I would meet under certain correct circumstances <clears throat> right. where we oh no, well you're saying you would meet with no conditions and that's wrong and that's why this guy's irresponsible and mm-hmm. and it's like and, and granted that's McCain and McCain probably still feels that way about <laughs> Trump. Yes. But that was the Republican drumbeat and, and the orthodoxy. And now, yeah. whatever, who cares? No, this looks good for Trump. It looks like it helps in the polls, so fine. Meet with whoever, say whatever. Does Nothing matters. Future of the country and world and international relations, be damned. It looks good for Trump, so fuck it. Yeah, so to try to get to the nuts and bolts of what this, what might happen in the summit and what it means, um, I think that Bolton and Pompeo and others are going to try to have a shadow summit and whatever Trump, because, because there's also some people that focus on North Korea that say, I don't think Kim Jong-un is in as much control as you guys think. I think right. it's really the military. Right. It is. So, of course it is. so but You're the figurehead. Mm, I, I'm not convinced of that. Okay. There, there's, he's got a lot of loyalists and a lot of branches of government. And if he suspects that the military is undercutting him, like there would literally be executions tomorrow. So I'm not totally convinced of that. But there is this school of thought that, yeah, let these two guys get in a room. But the actual summit is going to be between leaders of the military and Pompeo and Bolton. And from that, we're probably not going to get a hell of a lot. But it'll help Trump's poll numbers or whatever. I don't know if that's the case. What I do know is that it, we cannot trust in any way, shape, or form that that Trump understands the complexity of what this means, what what denuclearization means, what he thinks denuclearization might actually mean. Um, North Korea is not going to give up their nuclear weapons for some economic benefit, and Trump seems to be under the impression. And there's no reason to think he doesn't believe this when he says that, that they're going to give up their nuclear weapons and we're going to flood in with all this American investment in American business and they'll be basically like China. Um, it'll be a huge market for American consumers. Like what market? They don't have any money. There's no disposable income that their populace has. Like, no. Like, you know, Kim may do something ridiculous like – Say, hey, we're gonna build you the the Trump Tower Pyongyang. Right. Like you see, you know that giant hotel, the biggest in the world that we've been building for thirty years, and it'll never be finished because it's it's you know it's impossible to finish it because it's stupid. Like, how about we call that Trump Tower Pyongyang? You know, and and no one's gonna be able to afford to actually <laughs> stay there. <laughs> and no one can travel there. No one can travel. Well, no, they might open some of that up. But here's the thing: like this could go very very badly in in, in a lot of ways. This can prop up the Kim regime and the North Korean regime in ways that Trump can't even comprehend and doesn't care about. Right. Um, 
So I, I don't know how this is going to go. I think it's going to be a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, I, do too. I, I think ultimately it's going to be a, glor- a glorified photo op and they're going to come out of this and and Trump's going to be like, we're good friends now. He's well, a great guy. Well, he's going to say we're good friends now, but we have a long way to go. And this is just the first step, which in, in, a, in a real world setting would be fine, except there's already been these expectations built up, especially by his fellow Republicans and conservatives like this is Nobel Prize worthy and, and whatever. And so I don't I don't know what the fallout of that is going to be when this amounts to just a very cynical, glorified photo op that accomplishes really nothing. And or at worst, he agrees to a bunch of shit without understanding exactly what he's agreeing to or what the the long term effects of those things could be. And <clears throat> or maybe his ego gets hurt. And I mean, who knows? There's a million yeah. possibilities. And, and none, none of, them of them are, are good. good. And none of them are good. Um, I mean, this almost happened with Reagan and Gorbachev. They were left alone, I guess, seemingly with an interpreter. Um, and you don't think oh, Gorbachev spoke English? Oh, he probably did, but I don't know if he spoke it well enough that he wouldn't use an interpreter because you you don't take chances that you misunderstand right. something in that situation. Sure, um, you you make sure that everybody understands each other very, 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 very clearly. Clearly, yeah. Um, so. In that situation, Gorbachev and Reagan were left alone in a room and almost barred nuclear weapons all over the world. And both the Soviet and the American advisors were like, hell no, we are not doing that. We are not getting rid of mutually assured destruction, which is a whole other topic and conversation we can talk about. But there's a prevailing theory that once we built enough nuclear weapons to blow up the world eight times over, that actually created a measure of stability and peace. Because no one wanted to start a war wherein the entire world would be destroyed. <laughs> so we just had a series of proxy wars and let a lot of people in third world countries die. But anyway, not to get too into the weeds on that. Uh, there's nothing good that can come of this, I don't believe. And and the prevailing argument is, why do you liberals and even like quote unquote liberal or mainstream media, like it's just the, the criticism of Trump is so nonstop. We can't even give this a chance and he can't get credit. And what if something really good comes out of this? It's like, because I'm considering the source and I'm considering right. the motivations this of the like- man in charge. And I'm, I'm considering all the possible outcomes and knowing this guy and what makes him tick and what the North Koreans are doing right now to get him in the room and set him up. A giant envelope worked. <laughs> Let's just be clear. A giant envelope Worked. So how am I supposed to have faith in this man? It's not like I'm, you know, Reagan or Nixon or W or HW. I would not have these same concerns. I would not have these same concerns because they were, as you put it, realists. They were at the end of the day, human beings, no matter what their persuasion is. Or at least they believe or they try to act in the best interests of their country. And we can disagree on what that interest is. Yes. But I had faith that they would do what they thought was best. And we can disagree on what that is. But at no point would I have ever thought they're going to do something. That's not in the actual that, interests of the country. Right. And and with Trump. And this is the fundamental problem with the, everything the, well, that he they does. Do something. I would never have thought that they would have done something for their own personal gain or benefit, or that they didn't understand. Maybe W, I felt like he didn't really understand what was going on, but I knew people around him knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that in the end, it wasn't going to be about W's ego or... Eh, some of it. But not not in a way of, of Trump. 
No, it's no, not no, comparable. No, it's not. It's comparable. not comparable. No, no, it's just not. It isn't. It isn't. W was a terrible president for a million other reasons. Uh, Trump is a terrible president because, and I've said this before, there's no reason to believe, and in fact, there's a lot of evidence to prove the contrary, that there's nothing that he does that you can confidently say is in the interests of the country and the American people. Everything this guy does is one of two things. It is based solely on personal financial interests of himself, his immediate family, in-laws, or friends. Or there is such a fundamental misunderstanding of some of the very basics of economics, converse, uh, commerce, and world politics that these misguided ventures um, happen because there, there is incredible ignorance and misunderstanding of the way things work, like the tariffs. And we're going to have to have Arliss on some time to explain mm-hmm. that to us, what's going on mm-hmm. with now we are executing tariffs on apparently our, our allies because the man does not understand what a trade deficit is. And the other thing that motivates him, and this may be the thing that motivates him even more than money and even more than ignorance, is ego. Yes. He is a fucking classic narcissist but like a like a psychopathic narcissist like to the extent that he will literally run this entire country and all of its people into the ground for an ego boost Mm -hmm. without question and he'll never feel bad about it and it'll never occur to him that he should okay on that note we're going to take a quick break we've got a lot to cover when we come back so don't go anywhere we'll be right back testimony what do we got next on the list okay i want to just this is really important um this story and this hashtag and this liberal movement around the lost children yeah and i really want to spend a minute clarifying the difference between the two things yes because there's two things well there's a lot of things happening but some well-intentioned and misinformed and um, I'm going to criticize y'all for a minute, uh, uh, progressive liberal people who want to lash out about ice and want to be mad and want to, and I, I get it. There's a lot of reasons for that are doing something that's really damaging to immigrant populations right now by talking about these missing children. Yes. There's been this story going around that, that ice or that the Homeland security or somebody m- lost 1500 children. 
Okay. And it's being tied into the same story about children being separated from their parents at the border. Yeah, These are two unrelated. very, very different things. Yes. Okay. So the 1500 missing children are not missing. They are not. ICE didn't lose 1500 kids and they just don't know where they are. That's not what happened. So some kids came across the border unaccompanied. And they were held by the refugee uh, department, and they were then given to relatives who live in the States, some of whom are undocumented, most of whom are undocumented. Mm -hmm. They do not keep track of those kids, Mm -hmm. and we do not want them to keep track of those kids. Because they'll be deported, along with the people who took them in. Along with the people who took them in. Yeah. So... The missing children aren't missing. They're with their family. And their family does not wish to be contacted by government for reasons that I'm sure you can understand. Which is, if we don't want the government keeping track of these people, because of a litany of civil rights reasons, but also just basic deportation reasons. Yeah. Right? So that's one thing. And and this hashtag happened and and Well the media got it wrong. They the they, media they jumped got it the wrong, gun and got it wrong and didn't dig in and didn't present the facts and then conflated it with this other new But it's Jeff not Sessions just the media, it's the it's the general population. I, I know, but the general population goes with what they read a headline. Yes. And then they went, Oh my god. So a These lot of kids this... are all been trafficked and they're all being kept in basements being raped. Like, no. No, but my point is we rely on the media to disseminate this information and not everybody mm-hmm. is savvy enough to read between the lines and, and not trust things at face value. But anyway, that's a different argument. Okay. Now, so these kids are not missing. Don't worry. Maybe a few of them are. That is awful. But this is not the story. Yes. The story is children being separated from their parents. That's the current human rights violation that is occurring in America. So people are crossing the border with their kids, some of whom are, you know, weeks old. And they are coming to, they're not crossing illegally like you would normally expect. Um, like, you know, some farm workers are coming across the border and sneaking, you know, swimming through the Rio and whatever, right? Like, that that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about refugees who are coming across the border from Central America and they are going to Border Patrol, right, and saying, I'm seeking asylum. And when they get to Border Patrol and say, hey, I'm seeking asylum, and here is my one-year-old child and my four-year-old child, um, what normally happens is they go through this process. And what is happening right now is that um, Border Patrol is forcibly removing the children from their parents. Now... (laughs) (laughs) There's no reason for this other than to say... They think this will be a deterrent. Yes. The, the problem with that is a great number, if not the majority of these parents are taking their children across the border because they're in fear for their lives. So there was this 
story that I read from Frontline. And there was this Honduran woman who had a, at the time, three-year-old child, little boy, and she was kidnapped by a gang and taken into a basement and raped repeatedly in front of the child mm. for months. And she's telling the story, right? And her kid is just sort of playing. And as she's recounting the story, um, <laughs> she she's recounting how she was repeatedly gang raped in front of her child and how she was able to sneak out of a window um, and take this child and cross the border and immediately go to Border Patrol and say, this is what happened and I need help. And the child comes over to her and starts like kissing her shoulders and, and touching her face, like trying to comfort her. He's four now. And so when she got to the border, her child would have been forcibly removed from her, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so any separation between the two of them would be traumatic had none of that happened. But considering that all of that happened, the trauma that we are committing against these human beings is extraordinary. These are not people that are coming across the border as economic refugees. These are people coming across the border as terrorized people, people who want to protect their young boys from being um, made to be part of uh, violent gangs. These are people who are taking their daughters across the border to prevent them from being, uh, you know, systematically raped and trafficked. These are people who are taking themselves across. I mean, these are these are not even political refugees. These are human rights violations. These are people who are scared for themselves and they're scared for their children. And they come here and they go to authorities they're not trying to sneak in and go hang out with whatever. And, and, you know, they're not economic refugees. They're coming and they're saying, we need your help. And they're being separated from their children. And their children are being held by people who do not know how. We're like, it's not like we have a robust child care system under the Department of Homeland Security, no. right? It's not like there's these great caretakers for these, you know, thousands of children. And they aren't with their parents. And the justification that I heard. Um, Kamala Harris was interviewing somebody from the Trump administration, um, and her argument was, well, who fucking cares, basically? We separate children from their parents all the time in the United States. When people commit crimes, yeah. they get separated from their children. <laughs> that was Nielsen, yeah. Yeah, Nielsen. When people commit crimes, they get separated from their children. When people cross the border illegally, that's committing a crime, so I don't fucking care. And but I'm like, not. okay, Seeking somebody robs somebody. Crime. It's not a crime, and somebody robbing a fucking liquor store and getting separated from their child is different from fleeing violence and seeking asylum and being separated from their children. Of course it is, unless you're a gargoyle. Unless you are a non. I I, I just it's so fucking awful and unnecessary and there's no public good to it at all. But again, it needs to be emphasized <clears throat> that seeking asylum is not a crime. No. And there, there's a process for that. And even if you're denied asylum, there's no good reason to separate you from your child except for being punitive and cruel. Yes. And the media is not doing a good enough job of explaining this. I right. mean, they are highlighting the fact that children are being separated. At least they're showing us that. But they're not explaining 
why, and they're not debunking or coming back to the administration's excuses for doing this. And I also want to thank Josie Duffy Rice. She's a civil rights lawyer who's appeared on KGRO several times, mm-hmm. uh, yes. Daily Coast contributor. She did a very good explainer of- On Twitter, right? The, yes. Mm-hmm. The, the difference between the two- uh, Border Patrol stories that have been dominating the headlines and the misunderstandings, misconceptions of the 1,500, quote, missing or kids that ISIS lost contact with. So it got picked up by sort of Twitter as a moment. So now a lot of people understand better, although the the old meme is still being sent around. I keep so. seeing it all over the place, yeah, all over my they, Twitter, all over my Facebook, everywhere. And I'm like, stop, stop, stop. And no. We, can't, we don't have time to explain individually to <laughs> 10 million people what's actually going on and that's why the media has a better responsibility to get stories right yes but you know it's headlines and clickbait and 24-hour news cycles so why bother with nuance accuracy yeah yeah so the what i guess my take home for this is first of all please when people say the missing kids please correct them Mm-hmm. As an individual, on an individual, of, of all of us can start correcting people and explaining the difference. And two, it's not that there's not something to be outraged about here. There is something to be outraged about here. It's just not the missing kids. Different story. It's about separating children from their parents who are seeking asylum. That's the story that is heart-wrenching and horrifying and terrible and and amoral and all of the most horrible things that you can imagine. That's what's happening. The missing kids are fine. So just... Know that, and then try to spread that Well, not, that not all of them may be fine, right? But, but they're. I don't want ICE tracking these kids no. or their families. Right. I don't want that. Yeah. If they're not fine, we have child welfare programs to deal with that. So I want to jump in with some breaking news, which by the time this airs tonight, you may not have heard about it yet. But uh, the New York Times just uncovered a uh, memo that the president's legal team sent back in January to Robert Mueller to try to make a legal case for why the president, forget indicted, can't even be subpoenaed. (laughs) (laughs) And among the reasons cited, uh, I just read read this because this was an excerpt. Among the reasons they cited to the FBI was that the FBI had bad actors in place that were, were biased and used bogus or improper evidence I guess relating to the talking about the steel dossier or something like Mueller and his team will find that very compelling, right? Like, Oh, I guess we can't, can we just say for a minute, Trump, can we just remember the FBI is an agency under the department of justice, Mm -hmm. which is a cabinet under the executive branch of government. So the FBI is Trump's FBI. Sort of. Now, it's it, it's an independent agency in many ways. However, there I don't think historically there's ever been a president who attacks his own intelligence agency. Nixon. With the, the fervor Nixon. that this guy does. Nixon. It's very, very Nixonian. Nixon did many, many. There's many parallels between Nixon. It's now, crazy. Uh, the problem for Trump, of course, and we're not going to get into the weeds again, is that to direct and push the FBI in a way you would like, that's the job of your attorney general. The problem is his attorney general recused, yeah. had to recuse, yeah. and Trump's very mad about that and yeah. brought that up again this week. He did. He went back so, on the attack. And it was I, funny. I just, we I, were... just, I just laugh and I, I'm sorry. I, I, I just want to chime in like, unless I'm missing something here, this memo that says, no, 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 here's all these legally specious reasons you can't actually – subpoena the president like what utility is that other than trump told them to do it that nothing that nothing that yes 
I, I like, I like to picture uh, Mueller and his team, you know, having a round of drinks and, and reading it out loud and just laughing hysterically mm-hmm. making memes that are just like on his wall of like quotes <laughs> from it and shit he's just got like picture of sure trump's hair sideways I, I, and there's a meme no, of just like they're serious people i and know i'm, sure I'm they, just trying to imagine they took it apart piece by piece fun. and said no 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 and might have even written a rebuttal letter and that said no no no. all right no, well no. their legal secretaries are definitely making memes i'm just saying <laughs> we are definitely making memes about it and they're not on our walls but they're in our emails so just saying personal emails though not I hope email. so. Yeah, or that really be like you know that. that I don't think gets you can in get in trouble for your legal secretary making a meme. About oh the yes, you could. Yes, you could. I don't think you can. I mean, she could get fired, but that's all. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So moving on. What else we got? We're running. Out I of time. really uh, want to talk about. We're not running out of time. Um, <laughs> for all the things we need to cover, yes. Okay, I want to talk about Roseanne. Oh, that's right. That was this week. And Samantha B. Uh, and Bill Maher. Okay. <laughs> <The> trifecta. <clears throat> uh, All right. Okay. Roseanne uh, lost her show because Well, Roseanne she... had her reboot, right? Yeah, of that her I show. did not watch no, one second of. No, we didn't enough, watch it. Which I wouldn't have watched anyway, even if she wasn't rebooted as a Trump supporter. I just don't care enough. But I still love that show when I was a kid. Uh, I used to watch it all the time. Like sick uh, days, I'd watch like just marathons of it. I, I did. I mean, I was like nine, I mean, so you can't still blame a me. Fucking sitcom. I, it's the only sitcom I liked. Anyway, so Roseanne, for some reason, launched an a racist ad hominem attack on Valerie Jarrett for some reason, which is so fucking weird, right? Like nobody has uncovered like why Valerie Jarrett. Why Valerie Jarrett? Why now? Ooh, why? Like all of Who, a sudden, like she's been, she's was, I, to my knowledge, not ever really in the spotlight. It's no, not like no, Eric Holder you, or something. I guarantee you, most Americans didn't even know who she was until right, this week. Right, and then Roseanne decides to say that she is the love child of like the a, Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes. Correct. Now we don't have to explain what, uh, and she's a person of color. She is a Muslim African American woman. Yes. Yes. So uh, calling a person of color, relating them to a monkey or a chimp or an ape is one of the oldest racist tropes yes. on the planet. Roseanne knows this. Everybody knows this. It's obvious what it was. Yes. And can you know. we just, just for the record, for anybody who hasn't already heard this already, when you compare or say people are like animals, similar to what Trump did about members of MS-13, um, when you do that, you dehumanize that person or that group. Mm-hmm. And when you dehumanize people, it makes it possible to do anything to them because you don't see them as human anymore. Yes. So this there's a real danger in that kind of language. And I think the backlash for what she said is appropriate considering the, the danger of that kind of language. Okay, the, true. But the, the, the main point of there's a very obvious and very, very old racist trope of comparing people of color to monkeys or apes, apes. or chimps and mm-hmm. they, i mean they did it to michelle obama they've, they've been it doing history. it throughout history yeah yes so abc said no nah, we're pulling the show screw it mm-hmm. well wanda sykes quit first i would like to know why wanda sykes was ever involved in this in the first place but whatever she quit and then a couple other people said they were going to quit. And I mean, this all happened in yeah, a matter Whitney of Cummings hours. Yeah, Whitney Cummings quit. And then uh, ABC pulled the show. Canceled no, it. it is important to notice. And, you know, Trump let us know that, the, oh, the ratings were so good. And, yeah, the first show had big ratings. And then people got bored and the ratings were not so great the last few weeks. Right. So, so who cares? It, does, it doesn't matter. Well, I'm just putting my cynical it, hat on for a minute. Right. But, but 
it what it is important that they canceled her show. It is important. And it, I'm glad because it's one thing to say make her apologize, make her donate some money to something, but the show was really popular, so let's not no, they just fucking straight up were like no. And the statement that they put out about it about her statement about it being abhorrent and and um, not in line with the values of the the organization, um, you know, matters. Well, let, let, let's talk about because now everyone's screaming, all the right wingers are screaming First Amendment, First Amendment. So, again, we need to explain Roseanne is not going to jail. No. Okay. No, no. She's not no. paying, she's not being fined by the state. Nope. In, in any way she's it's not there are no state actions against her for what she said she's allowed to say that every day if she wants to yeah so she roseanne nor anybody else she's not entitled to a network show <laughs> no it's not actually like part the, of the constitution no 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 the, the network can decide whether or not it wants her in her in their employee to have a show for whatever reasons they want or not want. And mm-hmm. she can complain about that. Mm-hmm. And this is not nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the first amendment. Correct. So again, when Kevin Williamson gets fired from the Atlantic from saying that women who have abortions should be hanged. And mm-hmm. you know, when, when people say Barry Weiss, you're a, you're a bitch for hanging out with Nazis. Like that, that is not a violation of anybody's first amendment rights. Nope. You can argue, you can make an argument that, it is dangerous and bad for sociological reasons and, yes. and mob incitement. And you can, we can have that debate and we can have that argument. But when you scream First Amendment because nope. you lost your show nope. or you lost your column nope. or people are, or people or people are criticizing you, an you on Twitter, that like that's is not Sarah, a That was violation. always Sarah Palin's argument, right? You're yes. not allowed to say mean things about me on Twitter because it was my First Amendment right to say that. And you're like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. Yeah, it's not no. how it works. That is not a violation <clears throat> okay. of the First Amendment so, rights. It's not how that works. Second to that and I'm going to make a counter argument. Samantha B first woman to have a late night show. It's the best late night show as far as I'm concerned. It is unfortunately aired on TBS which is a nothing network but it's great that they aired her. Cable network. It's got a decent audience. She's mostly famous for because she just airs all of them on YouTube in their full capacity. So she was talking about the same thing we were just talking about, about the separation of children from their parents at the border. And there was this picture that Ivanka Trump put out this week with her son. And it was this very loving photo of the two of them. Isn't it great? Isn't it lovely? Children are our future. Yes. Love the children. I'm great mommy. Whatever. And Samantha B went on a little tirade about it and said <laughs> in the like latest episode of the mo- most like myopic bullshit picture that you could possibly release at this time in our country. Here is this picture. And then she called Ivanka Trump a feckless cunt, <laughs> which she is. Which she is, but I, it was, that's, that's not no. productive. Yes, it is. Okay. Look. I don't own that word. I do. That, okay. F- fair. Women get to use that word and we get to decide who's a cunt and who isn't. And Ivanka Trump is a cunt. <laughs> And if Netroots Radio would You're like gonna... to pull my show because I called Ivanka Trump a cunt, they're welcome to do no, so. No, I think we're safe with Netroots. <laughs> I hope. Look, I'm allowed to call her a cunt because she is. You're not allowed to call her that. No. <laughs> well, not on the air. <laughs> In the privacy of this space without the microphones being on, I'll allow it. But no. Can it... I just disagree? I, I'm going I'm sure. to disagree a little bit and, and just say that 
it's it's not overall it's not well she's right but it's not helpful um why does that mean no it's fine it's fine (laughs) i have zero problems with it at all ivanka trump has made herself not only a public figure but a political figure she has positioned herself in the white house she has two competing value sets that I think makes her a cunt. One is I'm this big feminist and mother and lover of children and anti-bullying and the other is well, we know that's I bullshit. work for well then I get to call her a cunt because it's bullshit. I work for this president who's also my goddamn dad and I am doing zero of the things that I could possibly do to affect the administration to stop the things like how about if I rip that child, that beautiful child that you're holding out of your arms and put him in a detention center and put you somewhere else because that's what your goddamn dad's doing and what the fuck are you doing about it? She has actual power. She has actual political power and personal power to do something to prevent this from happening and she's doing fucking nothing. That's, so no, that's she's fair. a cunt. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna... It, it's over and it's done with and Samantha B. apologized, but it, look, it, it is important to note that the false equivalency of Roseanne using a gross racial and ethnic and Islamophobic slur ad hominem for no fucking reason apparently that I know maybe there was some Facebook meme going around that Valerie Jarrett was a secret Muslim whatever um, probably that's where Roseanne came up with it she's a big conspiracy theorist um, and then you know Samantha B calling Ivanka the C word are not comparable things you can say that's not very nice Samantha B that's <laughs> not you, very nice but, but you cannot uh, compare she the wasn't two. intending to be nice and she wasn't using a racial slur she was using a word that is used against women by men that men are not allowed to say but I would argue that we're allowed to fucking use it uh, you're not, not going to get any argument from me. Um, I think she's fine. Now, I understand why she had to apologize, and we can all wring our hands about maybe we don't say the C word, but <laughs> fuck that. I don't care. I, it doesn't well, bother me. it would have been the same had she called her a feckless bitch. I, I think the right would have been just as mad. But here's the thing. Now, that C word, though, really gets people pissed yeah, off. Yeah, I guess so. But it, again, it's this... It's this. People are very fanboyish over Ivanka because she's pretty. Yes. That's the Chris Eliza can't just he, he almost openly like fondles himself when talking about Funk. It's really disgusting. And, you know, people write these glowing things about how she's a real feminist and a real whatever. And she's the symbol for women. And of course, she is not a symbol for women I, or feminists that I know. I know. But it's all just because she's pretty. But these are the men talking. Sometimes it's women. It's mostly okay, about. but here's what I'm going to say, right? Because I just we just had two very different conversations about something that seems very similar, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. I'm defending Samantha B. I don't think she should be fired, and she said something that offended some people about a public figure, and I believe Roseanne should have gotten her show canceled because now, she said something offensive about a public figure. Now, what they're also pissed off about is that Roseanne also apologized. She did. Yeah, she did. Very she also quickly. blamed it on Ambien. <laughs> Ambien then came out and was like, uh, racism is not one of the side effects. <laughs> did you see that? Yes, yeah. I did. Okay, so God. what is the difference, Trav? It's not just that my politics align with Samantha B and not Roseanne. Oh, we, we discussed this. <laughs> one one is, is a very disgusting ad hominem racist slur, and the other one is just calling someone you don't like a bad word. Right. I mean, that's my a five year old could understand the difference. Right. 
but I'm going to get shit for it because I just made two different. Uh, I mean, from our audience, probably not so much. Asshole. Right. <laughs> it's just it's the C word that made people so upset because you weren't allowed to say that. And you aren't. But I am. And Samantha B is is yep or not or whatever the case may be she took it back she apologized she's probably not going to make she's not sorry i'm not sorry (laughs) Uh, she's sorry she caused a firestorm and a distraction that yeah put it that way okay yeah uh who's next on the list all right oh just to finish up with the round table of roseanne samantha b bill maher Right, we didn't talk about um, I just yet. wanted to, you were telling me the other day that like before the Samantha Bee thing happened, the right wing was really, really, really trying to find some equivalency on the left, right? They were like, God, we, there's got to be somebody. There's got to be somebody on the left who's gross and, and garbage. And then they, what did they do? They found <laughs> Bill Maher. Bill Maher. And what did the left do? Have him. You can Cancel fucking have show. him. Cancel his show. Fuck him. Take him off the air. Fuck that guy. We're, we're done with him. We agree he's Islamophobic. And we agree that he's sexist and misogynistic like, and homophobic I, and a puck fucking garbage person. I don't I, blame I don't him. Know, we don't want him. I don't know what his ratings look like anymore. And among his ratings, I don't know if it's mostly liberals or what, but like everybody in our circles and the people we follow online and the liberal journalists and the liberal thinkers, like they've disavowed Bill Maher ages ago. Long time ago. ago. You can fucking have him. You yeah. know who watches Bill Maher? And here's what I think is interesting. Our dads? No. God, they hate him so much. They think of him. I think my dad likes him. Is In the same way that like they think of like, they think I agree with him. Well, that's the thing, right? That that's what we want to talk about is that the the right does this over and over and over again is that to try to paint this false equivalency, they they try to hang people on us that we don't want to have anything to do with. And like, we've already said we don't. When 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 Harvey Weinstein all this stuff came out just because he he works in Hollywood and he's donated to Democratic a lot of Democratic campaigns, they said, how? Oh, well, there's one of yours. And like, he isn't one of ours. Fuck him. Fuck him. Hang then. him by his yeah. balls from the Empire State Building. We I were happy I don't want to take his to money before we knew he was garbage. But I now that you told him, I hope he rots, not just in, yeah, not just loses his job and loses his status, but loses his fucking freedom. I want him to go to jail. I, do I don't not give a shit, give a shit who he's about, donated to. I don't either. And all those people give, give all the money, money back. back. And they so, should. And they should. And fuck and him. And then they have no, they're like, oh, well, they have nothing to say to that they just no. move on to something else well, let's find he's somebody not else. one of ours and fuck him and he never was he's a rich guy who donates money we don't give a fuck right right he's not a hero of ours he no. never was i'm not gonna get into the whole hollywood diatribe again no but, but the point was no he's not one of ours even he never when was. people that are we consider one of ours al franken yes. or louis ck yes. or whoever well, one of yours <laughs> ck was one i'm of yours. not talking about you and me. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about liberals, left-wing, progressive, Democrat people, right? All right? Even when those people, whom we find out, turn out to be awful garbage people, mm-hmm. we do not go into protection mode. No. We do not go into... No, and I still I still have fights with people about Franken, about the... They think yeah. he was a target of a big conspiracy and... There's a fucking picture. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, I, I have a problem with what I can see with my own eyes, <laughs> my okay? Eyes. That's not good. And Roger Stone colluded with this person and that person. And it's like, I am offended and troubled by what I saw with my own eyes, but I'm not going to relitigate that either. Right. So the point being that, um, first of all, fuck Bill Maher. You can have him. And second of all, um, uh, yeah, the difference is is pretty clear to me. 
uh, between Roseanne and Samantha B. And also, I'll say cunt whenever I want. Moving on. <laughs> I've said it about 20 times this show, baby. <laughs> Good. Um, I guess while we're on the topic of freedom of speech and protest, do you want to talk uh-huh. about the NFL for a minute? Well, was that just this week, too? I don't think so. Maybe, um, but we didn't talk about it last the week. The NFL and I want owners, to talk about it. with a lot of pressure from Trump, because a lot of the owners are buddies with Trump. And donated like to Bob him. Bob Kraft and, and some of these other awful owners. And most sports franchise owners are awful conservative white, white dudes. White dudes. Um, the vast majority. I think they're all white dudes. They are all white dudes. There might be one person of color that's a co-owner of some team. But anyway, they got together and the mostly because of Trump, the big controversy with the NFL players who kneel for the national anthem to protest police brutality against people of color, basically men of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trump and people got very angry about that. And we talked about this on last week's show a little bit. Um, I think we did cover this actually, but the NFL owners uh, decided you cannot, you cannot kneel for the national anthem, but you can stay in the locker room. And that's going to be very, very problematic for them when this goes through the courts and the uh, players association gets involved Yes, and it's going to just gin up much more controversy. I mean, you and I talked about it and I was like, (sighs) not happy, obviously. Um, And you brought up a really good point, which is that I want all of them to walk out onto that fucking field and kneel. And I want the teams and the owners and the people associated with those teams to show themselves for whom they are and pay the fucking fine and not punish the players. And your point, which I, I don't want harm to come to these young men. It's not their job. But I also really 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 reject the idea of taking away this their voice well here's a bigger problem it's not just the players the owners are it's complicated the owners it's this club not only is it sort of this good old boys club but there's profit sharing and there's things that they do in terms of helping each other whether it's bonds and trying to get new stadiums or if you know, they're having like they look out for each other and, and they've sort of been they did band together to blackball Colin Kaepernick and eventually he's going to win that case and hopefully win a lot of money. Yeah. And he just got an award too. For well, him. you know what? I hope some <laughs> NFL owner just says fuck it and has the balls to sign him because he's still a viable NFL quarterback that can help a team, even if it's as a backup. But um, that aside, you know, they have just. <laughs> they've taken this one step further and and now they're trying to outlaw the freedom of expression for the national anthem and all mostly because of Trump and i this i think this is going to end badly for the for the owners i hope I so i think they've grossly miscalculated i hope so i somebody said the other day racism it was on twitter i think racism some i'm going to paraphrase uh something like racism is so inborn in the nature of america that when people protest racism, the mainstream of the country thinks they're protesting America. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, well, it's not that simple because what the right does is they conflate something like the national anthem with the troops. So when a person of color, anybody, because there were some white guys that started doing this too last year. Yeah, which I love them for. Yeah, Chris Long and a few others, and I hope he, he does it again. I'm sure he will. Um Maybe it should just be the white players who go out there and kneel. Well, only if the, that's the problem. Is a lot of the white, only a few of the white players see it that way. A lot of the white players are like the white owners. 
let's be real. Let's think I of John Elway. White people. I know. White um, people are the worst. Yeah, yeah. God. So, but anyway, when the player takes a knee, the right wing says, see, that guy hates America and doesn't support the troops. And the troops who have died in this got nothing to do with the fucking troops. It has nothing to do. They're, no, they're intentional. And, and they've made that clear. It's intentional misunderstanding of their message. They have been very clear. Well, the people who say it don't misunderstand it. Real, what they're, what they're, try, they're trying to misguide the American public who doesn't right. understand what's going on. Right. But the people who are protesting, and we can get back into this whole, like, there is no right way for black people to protest. Yeah. Because literally silently kneeling, that's too much. Now, if, you want, if they wanted to say they're doing this and they're disrespecting the cops— at least that would at least be, that closer, would to be closer to the truth. Yes. At least that's an argument we can have. Right. This bullshit about disrespecting the country and the flag and the troops and the fallen troops, it's about police brutality. It's about the murder of black men in the streets by law enforcement. Yeah. And the lack of accountability that there is for those law enforcement officers. That's what it's about. It's very specific. Yeah, it's stupid jingoism. And, you know, and yes, some people who have served in the military feel this way. But the vast majority of people who go to serve and fight, like they didn't join and serve and fight because they love the Star Spangled Banner. And and because doing it before sporting events validates them somehow. That's just stupid. They believe in a much higher purpose than that. A lot of veterans who have said... What I fought for is for their right to be able to do that. Yes. And what the NFL is doing is the opposite of what I went to to serve for. Yeah, you can't. The you idea can't, that yeah. you're going to stifle someone's First Amendment rights, their their freedom of speech, their freedom of expression. Now, they're not going to go to jail. I mean, Trump had his way. They would. <laughs> they would. No. Um, but the fact, that, the fact that you're going to prevent them from being able to do to to have freedom of expression is exactly the opposite of what we fought for. And the idea that you're going to force people to stand during the national anthem or force them to put their hand over their hearts or force them to sing it or force them to pledge allegiance, right? That's just fascism. You want people yeah. to stand because they're proud of their country and they want to, not because you're forcing them. Well, I thought, you know, I thought this whole thing was solved in the 90s with the flag burning amendment. Mm. When it was such a stupid thing and even some Democrats who were very skittish were like, oh, maybe we should support this. And then like common sense kind of prevailed in in both chambers and said like, no, this is First Amendment. Like you do not have to like burning the flag and people that burn the flag. But this is – this goes to the very core of what the First Amendment means. And no, we cannot outlaw this. And and it was – they didn't do it. Right. So, I mean the Supreme Court would overturn it anyway, but – Yeah, I would think so. I mean it does feel – because, you know, we just talked about like freedom of freedom of speech and freedom of expression, First Amendment stuff. Like they're not going to jail, right? Right. That that's not that. But it does feel a little bit like that because it does come from like the president <laughs> is saying you have to make them stand. Well, it's different when it. Well, you you highlighted it. Why it's different and why you're so well. You just said with Roseanne is like no. The difference is we're talking about um, the the national anthem and being coerced. Right to um, basically honor or or pay salute to a it's different. <laughs> it's, right, like I'm not articulating it very well right now, but it's a it's a different beast. It's fascist to say you are forced to stand 
during the national anthem and or pledge allegiance to the flag. And when we had that, we had that argument right back in the the, the aughts, the early aughts yeah. about whether or not, um, and even before that, maybe in the 90s, about whether or not Muslim kids had to stand up and pledge allegiance to the flag during grade school. Right. And ultimately, the ACLU won. Yes. And they don't have to. And I shudder don't to think what to. their classmates are going to do and the, the right. gross racism they but face anyway. But that is a, a First Amendment thing. You are you should not be forced to pledge allegiance or stand or put your hand over your heart or do anything to a national symbol. Okay, here's the thing, you right-wingers, and I don't think a lot of you are listening, maybe a few. Um, freedom is not defined as the things you like. Right. <laughs> right. Freedom is freedom. Okay? Right. That means Roseanne is free to say, uh, this person looks like a monkey, and there are some consequences to that, but she's not going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. As opposed to what you say that we're going to lock up the Christians and take away your guns, whatever. Right. Um, NFL players should be free, and they are still like th- like they are. They can face the consequences of facing fines or or what have you. Um, but to kneel, yes. But freedom, freedom, but freedom does not mean. And this is where we get into the territory of Trump saying they should be arrested or deported or right. the people he doesn't they like. They go back and, to their own country. Right. And, right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, freedom is freedom. It is not what you like and find patriotic in your narrow white right. definition of what right. is patriotic. Right. So don't if if you say that NFL players or anybody else should be forced to stand for the national anthem, then you don't believe in freedom and you need to stop using that term because to quote Princess Bride, I do not think that word means what you think it means. That's right. Uh what else we got as we wrap up here? Um Speaking of racism, how many minutes do I have? Five-ish. Okay. Florida. Florida. I forget what happened in goddamn Florida. I'm just, let's just preface it with this is Florida. There was a man who was shot to death by police in his garage. Oh, this was in Florida? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Uh, his name was Gregory Hill Jr. He, uh, in St. Lucie County... Yeah, I know where that is. Okay. Port St. Lucie. It's nor- neighborhood north of West Palm or so. Neighbor neighbor called the cops on a black guy. Probably a white person, let's just be honest, right? <laughs> Duh. Because there was loud music happening. Mm. So cops go banging on his door. He doesn't answer because he's in the garage. So they go banging on the garage. He opens the door, sees that it's cops, closes the door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's no reason for them to step onto his property without a warrant. And they shot him through the garage door and killed him. In his own house. In his garage. Because he shut the door and there's loud music. He closed the garage door to de-escalate the situation and they shot him to death through the garage door. Because they were at risk of what when he shut the garage door? What was the danger to the police at the time? The loud music was going to hurt their ears too much what the fuck okay so his mom and his three children brought a civil suit against the St. Lucie County Sheriff's Office and the the most heartbreaking thing that I can possibly think of happened they could have been awarded nothing and it would have been better than this The jury deliberated for 10 hours and determined that 
They awarded the family. They determined that they should get some kind of civil compensation for this man's death at murder on the hands of the police. And the jury, in their infinite wisdom, awarded the family four dollars. One to the mother, one dollar to the mother for funeral expenses, and one dollar each to each child that he had for the loss of their father and for future pain and suffering. Have they interviewed any jurors? Is there any rationale for this? Not that I'm aware of yet. Okay, well, keep your eye on that. Um, I hope the media doesn't what get What they really them. are saying is these, this, this, their lives are worthless. One dollar is worse than zero dollars. We're out of time, and I also need, and I'm sorry we didn't get to this more in detail, but a new study has shown uh, the effects of uh, the hurricane in Puerto Rico and the lack of response has led to as many as 5,000 5, deaths. deaths. And Nobody's talking about it. We didn't talk about it enough. We'll talk about it next week. Okay. All right. Stay active. Stay tuned. Stay involved. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. At a Reverend Duo on Twitter. Talk to you next week.